Well, good morning, everyone. What a time of worship, eh? I tell you what, it is so good when we gather together and God meets with us. Um, we can gather together for the sake of gathering together and go through rituals and actually not have God with us in that meeting. But we can do, we can, we can prepare our hearts and have Him overwhelm us and overwhelm people individually as they sit here, as they personally are ministered to. And that, that's exactly what happened this morning. AV, are we online? Good morning, everyone. Last time I said good morning in the middle of the preach. In fact, it was just before the end. So I'm saying it first now because I, I, I see you. I see you. And thank you, everyone, who's made it here. So this morning we're coming to the end of the gifted series, which we've been running for the last six weeks. And the feedback that I've received and also in the life group where we meet, it's been an awesome time. I've just been able to get into some discussions about things that we might not have been doing if we were just continuing. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will have stirred you each uh, in areas that perhaps you thought, I've never thought about that, but that could possibly be something for me to look into. We come into the last one of this, of this series. Uh, so just to, as an intro, we'll look at what we've covered so far. Uh, we've looked at the gift of prophecy. We've looked at the gift of service and of mercy. We've looked at encouragement. We've looked at teaching. And last week we did the gift of generosity or giving. And today we'll be talking about the gift of leadership. And uh, we're going to start with our, our key verse, which has been right through the series. So Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. You probably, you probably close your eyes at night and go to fall asleep and this, you hear Romans 12, 6 to 8. But it's good. I suppose if that gets it into our minds, it's excellent. So Romans 12, 6 to 8, this is from the NIV. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is uh, prophesying, then prophesy. Simple. If you've got that gift, do it. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, this doesn't have to rock our world. If you can do that, do that. Um, in accordance with your faith. That's talking about prophecy. If it is serving, then serving. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it's in encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. And that one we're going to look at today, if it is to lead, then do that diligently. Uh, and the last one that Paul talks about is, is if it is to show mercy, then do that shepherd. Uh, just out of interest, when, we were, when I was looking at this, this scripture, the, the gift of leadership happens to be one of the last ones that Paul mentions which means leadership really is only an, an under support of something else that God has already done, in, is doing, um, I believe. And we'll get a little bit into that a bit later. But you don't, and I, I thought about this, you don't get people who are called just to the gift of leadership. I'm a leader. What do you lead? I don't know, but I'm a leader. You need something with it. It only gets credibility when it's tied to something. I'm the leader of a rugby team. Oh, okay. 
That's the connection. I'm a leader in corporate business. That's the connection. But to be a leader, I've got the gift of leadership. Good for you. Well done. I think we've all got the gift of leadership at some stage, at some place. Can you hear me, Audrey? Is that okay, the sound? Um, so let's define what leadership actually is before we go any further. And it was actually quite interesting, was it on Monday night we got together a few guys and we went through the definition of how, how we perceive lead, what is leadership. We're going to look at the definition that um, Steve Wimble uh, has put together, which is actually very good, much better than what I would have thought, but anyway, which is surprising. Um, <laughs> I don't talk so loud, Paul. Uh, thank you, Lord. Just by the by, I must tell you this. This is not a preach, but it could be probably at some stage. On, during this week, I decided to do a, a, a mind, short-term memory test on myself. My first attempt, I got 60%. I thought, wow, I'm on my way out. So I decided, it, decided to do it again, and I got 0%. I thought, that must be an error. So I did it again. I got 0% again. So that means I can remember nothing. I can't even remember my name. I can't remember anything. I don't know what I'm doing here. I, you know, who am I? <laughs> anyway, I came back half an hour later, and I got 200%. So I then determined that your memory has a lot to do with what you're feeling and the stress and the pressures that are going through your mind at that time. Thank you, Lord, because otherwise I'd be... I don't know where I'd be. I'd be walking somewhere that I wouldn't even know. Anyway, so let's look at the definition of uh, what the gift of leadership is about. So uh, Steve's definition is the, uh, leadership is the ability to motivate others to work together to achieve a common goal or purpose harmoniously. That's good leadership. And you can see from that definition, that won't only apply in the environment of a church setting. You, that would apply in a corporate setting. That would apply in a, a social setting. It's, it's the ability to motivate others to work together to achieve an end goal, but critically, harmoniously. We're not all fighting each other while we go there. We're all agreeing we're all on the same page. So let's look at some of those words individually. The first one is motivate, the ability to motivate. There are basically two ways of motivation. Uh, and you'll know them when I, when I mention them. The one is the motivation through fear. Um, and we can think back in world history how the motion, motivation of fear has driven nations uh, to try and achieve goals. Oh, Nazi Germany, for example, is one of them. That was completely good leader, motivation, motivation through fear. Okay, his ideas were completely off the wall. But he had the ability to take what he felt and motivate others to do it, but using the, the medium of fear to drive it on. The other, the other um, way to, for motivation is through reward. So basically, we are either scared to do, scared of there's something in it for us, and we do what we need to. Those are the two motivations that would be applicable to, to, human, to, to humanity. Um, and this doesn't necessarily, in a lot, unfortunately, and 
in a world environment that would equate to earning, earning income, climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, that's the reward I get for being motivated. That's where I'm going. I can see. We, and sometimes, sometimes we try to achieve that harmoniously in the corporate environment, but it's not, a, it's not essential. Uh, I can stab and climb over as many people as I really need to if I can justify that, that I'm taking the course further. And in my life, I have. I know, I know. You won't believe it. But when I was in corporate, anyone who was in my way, I walked over, I made sure there was a way over there. Um, in, the, in the context of a church, leadership in, in terms of showing the benefit, the reward, comes in twofold. The, number, the first one is to show the, the, the individual the ability that they have in themselves to be part of a holistic objective. So there's a personal reward. I feel good. There's a feel. There's an emotional aspect to that reward. The other one is to see God's will being done. And that's our primary thing as, as Christians. We, we, we get into a relationship with God our Father through Jesus Christ and immediately commit ourselves to the extension of his kingdom come what may in our lives. Um, the reward is the end. Paul talks about it often. I still press on for, the, for that which is set before me, for the goal, for the crown. Paul talks about your inheritance in the kingdom. So there's a, there's a reward aspect to the motivation which makes up the motivation we'd want to see in a healthy Christian context. Uh, you, uh, sport, I'll just put the last point that I want to make on this. You'll see the same thing in sport. You have a leader who motivates his players, some through fear, others through absolutely getting underneath them and carrying them and supporting them. And, but the objective is that the team wins. And they all buy into that. They all agree. That's why they're all there. And a good leader in a sports event will, will absolutely harness that and bring it out of people so that they can drive forward. So who are the other people? We'll look at the second word in that definition, motivate others. So the others. Now, if you, I'm talking now this morning from the context of you feel that you have a gift of leadership on your life. Who would, who would the other people, um, looking at the definition, be? It would be anyone. Anyone that have not perhaps reached their potential or still need to reach their potential or you feel that um, God has given them more than what they can see and you want to see them soar like eagles, uh, just riding the thermals, just getting up there and doing the right thing. And so that's the one aspect of, of the people that we, we will come across in a church environment. People who are absolutely believing God, who absolutely will stand for Jesus in whatever circumstance but have no, const, no idea of what they should do next? Or is, is the decision I'm going to make the right decision that God would have? Good leadership takes that person and directs their thinking, their motivation um, into those areas. Another one is it also, and this is a fundamental one in the church today, and I'm talking about in this church, I'm talking about 
the body of Christ worldwide. It moves us away from individualism. The world has got this concept that every person can survive as an island by themselves. It's about me, and it's about the lifestyle that I can have for myself at whatever cost. Even, I, was talking, I was speaking to someone during the week with, uh, with regards to technology. They're busy developing, or they have developed, I think you probably know better than me, technology where you can go by yourself into your room, put on a multi-visual, I don't know, what do they call those things? Virtual. A virtual hat and live in another world. You are a person in another world. You are an avatar. You give yourself a name. You do things. You work there. You have friends. You have meetings. You, have, you live in another world. And that's the deception that is coming into this world context. That other world exists, except it's this world. It's not a virtual world. This is the real world. This is the physical world that we live in. And those are the things we should be striving towards in community. And so it moves people, and individualism has come into the church, not recently, for quite a while. I don't need to, you might have heard this, and this is no offense to those watching on camera, but hear what I'm going to say. I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God, and I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Absolutely not. But man, you, you dig in a hole for yourself like you can't believe. We're actually designed to, to be there for each other and to carry each other and to strengthen each other and to love each other. And if you can do all those things for yourself, by yourself, come what may, you might have a, an argument. But individualism is, individualism is not what Jesus Christ had in mind when he sent forth his disciples. Neither did Paul. You can see it in all the apostles. Growing the community, establishing a community is about what the gospel brings. Um, Paul even talks about, and you might remember this, and I'm, I'm going to leave the notes every now and again because I just feel it's the right thing to do or say. Paul talks about how one, how one strand is easily broken, but two strands are stronger than one, and, this, and three are not broken. And that's the, the concept behind being in community. Is I'm by myself, and I am going through something catastrophic and I collapse by myself and no one knows it no one knows me no one and I will probably just end up on a heap and be dragged off somewhere when I'm in community I'll be getting phone calls I'll have people making me meals which I've experienced I'm talking now from experience not theory um, praying for me uh, that that is what builds me up when I'm feeling flat and someone phones says Colin, buddy, we pray, but you're going to get through this. God is faithful. He's never let you down. And I, can't, I can say he's never let me down. But those are the types of things that build up community. Individualism wants to destroy that. And I've said on individualism, there could be a series on individualism. But we won't do that today. And then the last of the, the words I want to look at in that, um, in that definition is harmoniously. Because you can achieve... The first two things, and still have absolute bitterness in the community that you're working with, or in your group, or in your sports team. And I've worked in an environment in a company 
So you're getting the job done, you're making the targets, you're achieving what needs to be done. Everything's as far as the executives. Has anyone watched this downfall of Boeing at all? If you, if you have access to it, it's a very good lesson. A very good lesson about making decisions that Wall Street are driving as opposed to what common sense and good sense drive. Anyway, sideline. So we can achieve all of these things, but what we actually need to do is achieve them harmoniously. We're, we're agreeing and we're loving each other and we've bought into the same concept. It has been forced upon you or forced upon me. We're moving forward because we agreed to do that. Um, Proverbs 28.12 says it this way. This is Solomon speaking. I've got five minutes. <clears throat> when the Raj, and we might apply this to South Africa, with no political comment intended. When the righteous triumph, there is great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, people go into hiding. And harmony in, in the second environment that Simon's to, uh, Solomon's talking about, when an evil person rises, comes to power, he might be able to motivate you, he might be able to do other things, but let me tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going to have harmony. So Solomon says run. He's seen people run. When there's no harmony, run. People run. Go and hide. When someone good triumphs, when someone that we know is just God working through someone's life and they triumph, there's great elation because he's a representative of the kingdom of heaven. He represents our God and he's triumphed. I would have loved to have been around on some occasions, loved to have been around when David was king. Oh, I think that would have been notes on how to um, encourage and be elated with, with the righteous being brought into leadership. Oh, so ending on this little harmonious thing, it's, we can, and even in the church, it does happen. This might sound surprising. It happens more than we think. We can lord it over people from leadership, tell people exactly what needs to be done because this is how we do it, and you either buy into the scheme or you buy out of the church. So it could be lorded over. Um, we can support others with where, we, where they are and encourage them and to direct them uh, into, for example, the same mindsets that we would have as a leadership. What, what does happen is that, in fact, um, so, uh, Steve Wimble, he, he, he replaces the word leader. And it's not often that I would agree with someone putting another word in its place, but in this case, the word he replaces with actually brings a lot more connotation to the word. So he takes leader and he says, for me, when you speak of a leader, you can, you're actually speaking of an influencer. So that means there isn't a, 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 a card you wear saying leader. I'm an influencer. How many people in the room are influencers at some level or another? Can we just see? Okay, so there's a lot of people. You haven't raised your hand. You're the chairman of the Mams and Tati. You're an influencer of people, mightily. So influence is, is, we perceive influence to mean something different. Influence can be neutral, and I'm really just sharing my ideas, and I am really would love you to understand what I'm saying, and hopefully 
buy into the same concept as what I'm talking about. When I put a label of leadership on it, then that, my mindset is one that, okay, so you're the leader, I have to follow you, therefore I have to agree with everything you're saying and, and first almost pass a test, uh, which is absolutely not the case. Um, so I like the word influencer, which Steve used there, which does change our, our perspective. We're on the last page. A lot of people don't like teaching from the pulpit. They like preaching, preaching, which is cool. But sometimes we need to do teaching um, because the, the carry-on of this is obviously in the cells, which is, is really where it takes place. Now, I was saying earlier that the gift of leadership is, cannot be the full change from person to person depending on what other gifts that it is paired with. So if you, have, if you have a gift of serving and you have leadership, you'll walk into a room and you'll see there's an area of serving that's lacking and you'll muster people and get people motivated and, and run at your other gifting. So it really depends. You can have a, a, a leadership which is paired with prophecy. You can have a leadership which would be pre uh, paired with teaching. So everything's about teaching. I've got to teach you. I, I, I know you like preaching, but I've got to show you the, I've got to show you, uh, the theology. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. But they will be a different type of leader. They will have a different characteristic as a leader to the one who's going, who feels service is important and is making coffee or mercy. I'm just so gracious. I'm amazed at the, the grace of the leadership of this church, really. It's a blessing. Because to, I have not been a gracious person in my life, in my life. And to see the opposite apply is absolutely amazing. I'm amazed. God amazes me every time that, he, that grace is so strong, is so powerful, that speaks so much. Where I thought, if you've got something to say, say it. And I would have, historically. Now I don't say anything because I realize I don't know anything. But anyway, be that as it may. Huh? I can't remember. I did an online test once. Oh, did I tell you that story? <laughs> I can't remember what I got, but I remember that. Um, so if, if this is what leadership's about, then the second part of it is, you've got to, you've got to agree with this, Jesus is the only perfect leader. You can't look around this room or me and say, oh, that's a perfect leader. Or NCMI, that's a perfect leader. Or anywhere in the world, all my TV uh, preachers and all, no one is a perfect leader. Only Jesus. So if Jesus is the only perfect leader, there's a couple of things we can learn from him while he was here. Number one, he was courageous. He was courageous. He went to places I would have turned around and left long ago. He went to have meals with those guys. I would have died. I would have been crawling on the, somewhere else. He was humble, 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 yet strong. So he wasn't humble and weak. He was humble. He had humility. He wasn't the loud mouth. He wasn't the arrogant person. Didn't walk around saying, I know the answers and I'm the son of God. And the, he was humble, but at the same time, he was um, strong, very strong. He had a disciple, you know, a lot of you will know this, he had a discipleship 
Remember when he fed 5,000? So he had at least 5,000 that day who were following him while he was preaching. And in a little while later, he says to him, unless you eat my body, which we're going to do communion just now, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And he lost the majority of his church, I would imagine, at that stage. And he even asked his leadership. And how many of you want to go? Do you want to go? He was, I, I believe he was prepared to carry on alone. If everyone turned and left, he would have carried on. So he was strong. But he was humble. It, it wasn't done in arrogance. He served his followers. Many times we can see it, but the most profound time, and we, we will all know, is when he washed his disciples' feet. So the point that I made here is he sacrificed. He didn't sacrifice time. He didn't sacrifice a bit of bucks on a Sunday for the offering. He sacrificed his life. He gave absolutely everything. We used to have this, and you can stop me at any time because I, I'm inclined to do this. We used to have this thing when I worked for Stanek, which doesn't even exist anymore. We used to call it pig in the pan. It was our motto, pig in the pan. And the first day they told us about this, we said to them, what does pig in the pan mean? They said, well, a chicken can give you eggs every day, but how much of the chicken is sacrificed to give you the eggs? Zero. If you want bacon, however, the pig has to die. It gives 100% of itself. Not that I'm trying to compare that to Jesus. But what I'm saying is this. He, he, spoke the sp- he, he talked the talk, then he walked the walk, then he got nailed to the cross, and then he died, and everything that he had said would happen did happen. And, man, he, we, just, we just need to fall over in his presence, really, because he's absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. So, so those are the things that we can pick out from his, um, his leadership. He, he did say this, Matthew eleven twenty nine. <clears throat> take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke wasn't a pleasant thing. For those who don't know what a yoke, does everyone know what a yoke was? Is. Okay. So it's not a pleasant thing to walk around with. He says to his disciples, he says to the people there, and learn from me, because I'm gentle for your soul. So while you carry in, the, what is the yoke of Jesus? The yoke of Jesus is the gospel of Jesus Christ, carrying it forward. You're going to come up against resistance. You're going to come up against hardships. This is not the world where the gospel of Jesus Christ is accepted with open arms and lovingly. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you because I am gentle. I'm not going to overburden you. I'm not going to give you something that you can't manage. I am gentle. Number one. Number two, I'm humble. I'm not going to be standing at your back with a whip to say, move forward like I used to drive the oxen. I'm, 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 I'm gentle. And then he says this, that in the work, in the work of doing the work of the gospel, you will find rest for your souls in doing that. Not our bodies, maybe, but we will be at perfect rest in our souls as, as, he, as we follow what he does. And it boils down to this. God's gifts are not sent here 
are not given to us, should I say, uh, to cause us to become frantic or distracted or worried about how I work this gift or how I use this gift. Or... That's not why they were given to us. They were given to us primarily so that we could draw closer to him. That was it. God's about a relationship. That's all he wants with every one of us that are sitting here. He wants a personal relationship. And that's, and that's the bottom line of it. Um, I did mention here uh, the last point. Leadership is important. And I, I truly believe that even if you didn't put up your hand, if you think, think about it, at some level or other, you are a, a, a leader. You are an influencer. You have people that listen to what you've got to say. They consider your word. They, they don't just push you aside. Um, so if you're a leader, lead. Paul says, uh, Paul says, lead diligently. That's it. He's not telling you how to lead or what you need. The rest of it is what, is what we've, we've taken out of Scripture. But Paul just said, if you're a leader, then lead diligently. So no one, not one of us, not me, not anyone can say, I can't do that because I, I'm not a leader. Are you an influencer? Is there potential that you influence other people, your family, your work colleagues, your friends, whatever? Well, then that makes you a leader in that sense because you simply are going to motivate people. If you look at the definition, motivate people to agree on a common objective. At the moment, one of the easiest things in the world, common objective. We want the war in Ukraine to stop. And starting influencing people with the word of Jesus, the love of God, with prayer, with ministry, everything opens. I think I have spoken enough. And I, I know it's warm. I see people have actually fallen asleep. It's fine because we, we show this again on YouTube. You can catch up on YouTube. But <laughs> not really. I'm joking. I'm being facetious. But thank you very much for, it, for coming along for today and also for the this, this series. This, I think it's been a very good series. I really do. I think there's a lot to learn. I think that um, Steve was actually saying that re, re, keep the book and go through the devotionals over the next two years if you want. There's devotionals in here that aren't homework. They're actually devotionals. There are things that you can take and pray through and pray into and look at. So I think do that.